James uses a, a word here that means a person with two minds. One believes, the other disbelieves. There's like a civil war going on within the person. They believe God one minute, they don't believe Him the next. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely, and this is Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And I'm Mike Trout. He's continuing his study in the book of James. And you just heard him refer to um, the eighth verse in chapter one. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We'll be in this study in the book of James for a number of days, moving on into next week for sure. And he's going to start off today up around verse 3, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And Pastor Layton continues from there. And let steadfastness have its full effect. The message paraphrase version says of this verse, don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Don't use shortcuts. Don't try to skirt the tests. And, and the statement that perseverance must finish its work indicates a process and progress and development, that we're all in this process. In fact, one of the uh, men in the choir came up to me after last service. He says, do you remember when we used to say, please be patient with me, God is not finished with me yet? Um, but we're all at work in, in, in progress, and for perseverance to accomplish its work, we must not give up. That you might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so James provides us three descriptions of the results of this testing. And the first word that he uses is translated perfect in many translations. And because of that, there has been this concept uh, that some have taught fallaciously that, uh, that Christians can become sinless while we're living in this life. That is contradictory to Scripture. It's even contradictory to James. Because in chapter 3, verse 2, he says, in the context of verbal sins, we all make mistakes. None of us are, are, are perfect. It contradicts Scripture. It contradicts what Paul describes in Romans chapter 7 when he talks about his own struggles with the sin that resides in his member. As long as we are in this world, in this body, breathing, we're not going to be sinless. And we're always going to need our Savior. What the word means is mature, or full-grown, or fully prepared. That this uh, is a process that makes us fully prepared for accomplishing whatever it is that we were sent into this world, made for, created for uh, in this world. And the way that we respond to these trials in life are either fitting us or unfitting us towards that end. And then second, he says it, it makes a person complete. And what it's talking about there is the removal of blemishes, was used to describe a, a sacrificial animal as being without a blemish. And what, what happens as we go through this process is that it removes our weaknesses and it helps us to uh, overcome besetting sins and to gain new virtues and become entirely fit for what God has called us to be. And then thirdly, it says that it makes us lacking in nothing, deficient in nothing. And the word there is used to describe the defeat of an army of giving up the struggle, of a failure to reach the goal. 
And what it's saying is, is if day by day we are going through these trials, it's going to make us stronger and more victorious day by day to the extent that we will never give up, we'll never give in. There's a benefit to be derived from going through these trials. And then in the next verse, James deals with the relationship of trials and wisdom because wisdom is needed to get through the trials. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. And so verses 5 through 8 contain God's offer of help to those who are facing trials. And in the English translations, it might sound like God is offering to give advice, but if you look at the original language, it's in the, it's in the imperative. It's a command that we are commanded to come to God in times of trial. And, and there's a close connection between this passage and what's gone before it. Remember that for us to attain those goals of going through the trial, that we've got to go through the trial correctly. How do we get through the trial correctly? We need, we need wisdom. How do we get that wisdom? We ask God. And the conditional uh, form of this sentence in the original language assumes that people that are going through these trials lack this wisdom. So we have to go to God for this wisdom. Now, when I use the word wisdom, we in America have a tendency to think in terms of a Greek concept of wisdom, which is knowledge and cleverness and learnedness. But in a biblical sense, wisdom is spiritual insight that's given by God. It's the ability to discern between right and wrong, good and evil, and, and it enables us to do what is right and say what is right at the right time in the right way. And according to James, it is a gift from God. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? God loves to give good gifts. And He does so generously. Interesting word. It means with a single eye, a single motive, the purpose, the motive behind it is the welfare of the believer. And God gives with generosity because it is His nature to give. He loves to give. And it says he doesn't find fault. He doesn't scold us. I don't know about you. Have you ever heard the words, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, or is that just me? You know, I think we've all heard that, a uh, parent scolding a child. God doesn't do that. He wants us to come to us. He wants a relationship with us. I've got a little taste of that because I'm a daddy. And I love it when my kids call. And it doesn't matter if they're asking for money. <laughs> you know, I got a call Thursday night from my son, Sterling. He's going to be a daddy in June. I'm going to be a grandpa again. Yeah. <laughs> I love being a grandpa. 
So, you know, he's, 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 he's going through that paradigm shift in his mind. He's becoming a daddy in his mind. He, one of the things he said, Dad, I need some help finding a car. My little Civic isn't going to be a family car, and uh, I need an SUV, Dad. Can you help me out? And so we're looking for an SUV. If you find a really good deal, let us know. Four-wheel drive, Toyota, 4Runner, something like that. Uh, but anyway, that's a, that was a, taking advantage of my opportunity here. So... <laughs> The point being is, is I love it to have a relationship with my kids. Our Heavenly Father loves having a relationship with us. In fact, He loves us so much, He's preparing a place so we can be with Him for all of eternity. And that's contrary to what some of us think about God, that God's holding out on us. That was the original lie in the garden that got us all into trouble. Can't trust God. He's holding out on you. No, He's not. He gives generously. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person was not supposed that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man. And so although there's nothing that keeps God from giving to us, there can be things that keep us from receiving. And, the, and, and that is a lack of faith. And we're not just talking about acceptance of a creed here. We're being confident that God can and will do as He's promised to do. We must ask without doubts. We must be sure of His power and His desire to give. James uses a, a word here that means uh, double-minded, a, a person with two souls, with, with, with two minds. One believes, the other disbelieves. There's like a civil war going on within the person. They believe God one minute, they don't believe Him the next. At one moment they hear a yes in belief, and the next moment a no, and it's, this, this is graphically illustrated by a wave of the sea. It's popped up here, it's down there, it's over here, it's blown over there. There's this instability, uh, and, and, and a person that's double-minded gets a thought from this side that blows them this way, and another thought from this side that blows them this way. There's no resistance, there's no sol- solid foundation, just yielding it up and down, left and right, all over the place. You know, if God spoke with such a person and said, I want you to follow this course, they couldn't. Because they have no rudder. They have no anchor. They have no purpose, no progress, no goal. The double-minded person does not love God wholeheartedly, does not love their neighbor properly, does not live according to what the Bible intends us to live. And the opposite of being double-minded is being single-minded. I live for the Lord. I live for the Lord. Many years ago, I had an opportunity to talk with Dr. Charles Weston. Dr. Charles Weston was a missionary from our church many, many years ago. And he traveled the world sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and raising up uh, Christian leaders in, in, in just all over the world. And a uh, brilliant Bible scholar. And and. I was talking with him as his body was failing and he was getting ready to depart this world. And I asked Dr. Charles Weston, I said, can you summarize for me what this is all about? What Christianity is all about? And Dr. Charles Weston thought for a moment and then this is what he said. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Some say that uh, hymnody 
or the lyrics of hymns can be pretty thin soup sometimes, but that's certainly not the case with this old hymn, Trust and Obey. You're listening to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's in the book of James, a study that will continue for quite some time. As a matter of fact, if you attend the church on a Sunday morning or a Saturday evening, you'll hear the next message in this series. That's Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. All the details about the church are right there. If you want directions to the campus, you'll find them there, plus a schedule of their Saturday evening and Sunday services can be found, and other details about activities happening at the church. Once more, highlands.us. I know they'd love to see you, and they'd appreciate knowing that you listen to this broadcast. I'm Mike Trout. We'll be back at this same time tomorrow. I hope you can join us when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse.